Hello and welcome to Python Bytes, where we deliver Python news and headlines directly to your earbuds. This is episode 354, recorded September 26th, 2023. I'm Michael Kennedy. And I'm Brian Aachen. I am good. It's been a busy week. And it's only Tuesday. I know, and it's it's starting starting strong. If you want to follow the show, stay in touch with us. Um, be sure to check out Bastodon over on Mastodon. We got all the links for that in the show notes. I was just thinking today, I just booked a couple of episodes through Mastodon for Talk Python. I just uh, was working on another like video presentation thing on Mastodon, like how much work gets actually done on Mastodon. So people should be people should be there with us, Brian. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, for sure, it's, for sure. It's the place where all the cool kids are. Indeed, indeed. So hopefully you'll connect with us over there as well. Very exciting stuff. See some people in the audience here. I'm gonna have to give them a shout out later because uh, some things that uh, we're sharing. And so that's gonna be very exciting. So speaking of exciting, what's the first thing you got for us? I, I, I'm actually really excited. I, I may be jumping the gun on this, but um, Log Merger is from Paul McGuire. Um, and it's um it's a project he's working on and it's pretty fun it's uh so uh, i i don't know maybe i'm i think more people a lot of people deal with log files that they have to deal with more than one so you have maybe two processes or oh yes three that that are all time stamping and saving well um so this is a project that uh is a textual based project but it combines them all and sorts the multiple logs based on uh timestamp um, so you got a, so you've got, um, maybe you've got a timestamp and then content and it splits it out and in, and shows you the timestamp on the left and then the different log files, uh, in columns. Um, and the example just shows two, but I think you can pass it more than, more than two. I think you can do multiples. Um, so it's, it's called log merger, but it's not, uh, it doesn't, I don't know if it actually merges them, but it makes this combined output thing, and it's really kind of right. fun. It's more look at them in a merge, what a merge view with timestamps would look like, rather than actually, yeah, about trying to unify them or something, huh? And I, okay, I had some concerns right away, and they were already like, I I downloaded it, and I'm trying this out. Um, the you can pipe the output to standard output, or you can use the textual thing. So you can do either one. Um, so the output is nice, but sometimes, you know, log files can be huge and you only want to look at a part of it. So there's a cool, there's some, some nice flags that they're included. There's a start and end timestamp. So where you can say, cool. yeah, start here and then go to here and don't do the rest of it. Um, uh, there's an interactive mode, which is, I think the default. Yeah. That, um, that shows you the little TUI and you can do error boxes and stuff. Uh, you can save them to a CSV. I, yeah, I think that'd be great if you want to throw it in Excel or something like that. Um, and then multiple timestamp formats are supported. So, um, so you've got like, uh, there's a handful that I think this is pretty good. This is the standard ones. I didn't even pass in a timestamp when I tried it out and it just worked fine. Um, so I'm going to be using this a lot. The, the, because the, I'm excited about some of the upcoming work. So there's, um, uh, possibly, oh, maybe it's not here, but somewhere else. Um, there's a possibility of using PCAP files. Um, I think that's in working on those are, uh, I don't even remember what that stands for, but I deal with them for protocol, um, analysis. Uh, but the, um, the, I maybe jumped the gun because you can't pip install it yet. You have to, right now you, uh, download the code, um, uh, but it's totally usable and runnable. 
Uh, so I, I think it's worth checking out. But it's, oh gosh, it's new. It's like you a, probably could pip install with the Git. Oh yeah, lag. with the Git plus exactly. Yeah, with the Git plus exactly. Um, I forgot about that. So you can do yeah. So um, I guess uh, Paul, um, people are using this. At least I am already. So maybe like a little, in, uh, maybe I'll do a merge request to add the README to say how to install it for now. So cool, fun. Yeah, nice. And prior guest on the show, Seth Michael Larson says, "Whoa, packet capture files. Is that the accentuating for? That's awesome. I need to check that out." Yeah. And Jeff out in the audience says, "Does it support time zones? It does have a time zone display feature, but I don't know if the sort considers time zones or not." Well, and my my thing is going to be that they're going to be a little off anyway because the, sometimes the the different uh, I've got log files getting generated by multiple computers that are the timestamps off by a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's close. It's That's usually right. close, close enough. enough to line them up. Yeah. Close enough. Yeah, I do stuff like this as well. Like for all the talk Python web properties, um, you get lots of requests and the NGINX files have like a two week rolling average. The most recent one is a straight log file, but the rest are gzipped by day. God, okay. So I have a, a Python script that downloads all of those unzips the ones that are zipped, puts them all together, then loads all of those files, sorts them by timestamp, and then like creates one super log file, maybe appending onto a previous one. So I have like single log text log files that are the full month, month by month for analytics. Cause you know, we turned off Google analytics and all the sorts of other things because those are evil. Yeah. But you still want to know like, well, how many requests were, were there to this page or to this episode page or like where, uh, you know, Stuff like that, right? Those yeah. those kinds of things are are relevant. So, yeah, this is this looks interesting. I had to write a bunch of code to do similar stuff. Although for fourteen log files, you wouldn't try to visualize them. You want to. I just want to turn them into one yeah. mega log file, the, so that I can run uh, analytics across them. It's not on this readme, but I think when I was looking at it, I think there's there's recent stuff being done, and I think that you can pass it gzip files. I think it, pull, mm. it pulls them out. It seems that. reasonable. Those are. Um, frequent formats, I suppose. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Cool. Good find. A very interesting one. People in the audience like it as well. This next one comes to us from Hugo VK and not, not sent in. I just discovered it, I believe. It says, Hello, Python main library maintainers. So if you have a PyPI thing, if you twine or split upload those types of things, you probably want to pay attention because I said, because everyone was so good at finding bugs last time in the Python 3.11 release candidate. The third and final release candidate is now out. Please give it a spin. It's your last chance to find um, significant problems, right? Critical problems. And goes on to point out, here is a nice article on how to test it, how you Ooh. can get the release candidate, and basically how do you test your libraries with this? And it goes through like, how do you set up a GitHub action so that it will use the 3.12 pre-release, right? Uh, how do you do it from dead snakes? How do you do it for Travis CI or other CIs and, and different things in here? So that's cool. That'll help some people set it up into their CI. There's also a big, long discussion here. So Thomas Waters uh, points out that release candidate three is here. As a reminder, until it's um, until the final release of 3.12.0, the release 3.12 branch is set up. So the release manager has to merge the changes, right? So reach out at this point, unless something critical comes up, it should really only be documentation. Other changes will be pushed to 3.12.1. Uh, 
And somewhere in here, there is, yeah, the intent. This is exciting. The intent is for the final release of 312.0 scheduled for Monday, October 2nd. That is like the coming Monday. Yeah. Unless you, if you're on top of your Python Bytes playlist, don't let that thing fall behind. Then the coming Monday, you know, October 2nd is going to be when this thing releases. So that's pretty excellent. I guess bringing back to the first part, this is basically you have a couple days to make sure that your library will have no hiccups when Python 3.11 ships. So, or see, 3.12 kind of gets to, used to saying 3.12. When that ships uh, in a week, you want to make sure that your stuff just works. So here's your chance and a few steps on how to do that. Yeah, because you know how nice people are in GitHub. You'll get issues right away. Hey, your stuff doesn't work on 3.12. Um, <laughs> you might even get like some hot October amazingness like, hey, you were using the wrong preposition here. I changed it. Like, well, that was not wrong, but this is not a real commit. Yeah. Uh, Seth is back to say, highly recommend the setup Python allow pre-releases feature. That lets you set up a forever pre-release testing job if you use uh, Python version 3.x. That's pretty hmm. pretty good advice there. Yeah, cool. Neat. I don't right. think I use that. I'll also check it out. Well, now now you know you can. Yeah. Okay. All right. What else you got that is exciting for us? Okay. What other good advice do you have? Uh, what do I got? I got um. Oh, <laughs> good advice. I I think I have questionable advice. Um, but I like this pattern. So I, I'm uh, linking to uh James Coffee blog with um the Python dictionary dispatch pattern and. I just like this because I, I don't know if it, it's not discussed much in like beginning teaching Python stuff as to, but um, you know, if you're a C programmer, use jump tables or maybe you shouldn't use jump tables, but jump tables are fun in C and you can kind of use them in Python too, but they're, they're a little bit um, easier to use. You just have um, dictionaries uh, that dictionaries can store anything and they can in include functions. So uh, he has an example of just add, subtract, and multiply, which you wouldn't really use for that, but it's just an example. And I kind of forget that you can throw lambdas in because you can assign the, the lambdas have a value, so you can put a lambda in as a function. But um, uh, you can use use a use a function also, and just just um, then you can call them later. So you could just uh, dereference the um, or dereference. We don't call it like that. You look up the key the element. Uh, in the dictionary and then actually just call it with parameters and it works. So um, kind of a fun thing to do in Python. Uh, has a little bit of a, uh, he said uh, as part of a vision script programming language is, does that. Um, interesting. But I mean, there's, there's a lot, there are times where you, you just have lots of things that you're switching on and an easy way to do the switch is just to have a dictionary lookup. So. Yeah, exactly. That's, it is pretty interesting. Um, it's a, Traditionally, it has been a way to do switch statements, which at the time it was pretty much all you had to work with, right? Since then, we've had the match statement added to the language, right? Which is a little bit better. So not switch, but match, because it's this whole parser mechanism on top of just the switch statement. But people used to traditionally say, okay, well, we'll just make a dictionary. And then like your case is the key. And then what you do is the function that gets returned from that. Um, one thing that's really missing from that pattern, that dictionary dispatch pattern, is that the default case gets clunky looking, right? Like if, if none of the cases match, then what happens? Like you just get none, an exception, like none type is not callable or some weird thing like that, right? Oh, yeah, you do. Yes, yeah, so, so do you, could, you could upgrade it 
You could upgrade it with a default dict, yeah. where the default dict returns the default case, right? Um, yeah. I for a while I don't remember when I added this, but I added switchling, which was fun. And switchling um, uses context managers to simulate a switch with a default case sort of thing. Yeah, uh, or as, uh, but Seth is pointing out, get um, if you use get instead of a dictionary lookup, you you can have give it a default to, to return. You can, but you got to give it the default every yeah but you got to give it the default every time you use it which is kind of yeah. you can but it is a little bit weird right like that's why the default dict makes it a little clear because if you're going to use it more than one i don't know if you use it more than once it gets janky right so i but so i've used this and i i don't use i don't put a fall through but what i the reason is because it's all my code it's all i i don't it, it isn't yeah. something that's that's coming in from the outside world it it's and i have test cases around all paths so um Right, so you know there's not going to be a missing case. Yeah, and if you do, an exception is probably a good idea. It's not something you like. Uh, ask a user which function would you like to call, and then you know pass it through. Uh, it's Indeed, a, yeah, no, don't do that. But anyway, I, yeah. I, oh, I, reason why I wanted to bring it up not is because I, not I didn't want to bring this up because I wanted more people to use a dictionary dispatch. Uh, you don't have to do that. What I brought it up for, which is it's still kind of cool to reference, just to let people know you can do it, but. Um, this guy's got a blog roll. How cool is that? Um, when's the last time you've seen a blog Dude, roll? Dude, a blog roll. <laughs> yes. Should we bring blog rolls back? I, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> anyway. That was when your blog was your little home on the internet. Yeah. 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 How interesting. Oh, there's no like um, uh, hit counter though. So, you know. Oh, does it have a little dig? Like a little digging? <laughs> this part is under construction digger. <laughs> that would be cool. No, sorry, James, if you're listening. Um, we're not dissing you. It's just fun to No, speak. no, no. It's awesome. It's it's nostalgia is what it is. Yeah. It is. So anyway. Um all right. Back back to the uh Seth Michael Larson show. Yeah. So <laughs> his uh his article is very timely that he just put out um a little couple weeks ago, but I'm finally got around to featuring it now, given everything that's coming together, called Visualizing the C Python release process. So is awesome. He's the uh, Python security manager, uh, security dev, as opposed to Mike Fiedler, who is the PyPI one. Both of these roles are, are somewhat new, which are awesome, right? This one is made possible by funding from OpenSSF Alpha Omega Project. So very, very cool. And Michael or Seth is pointing out security developer in residence is the official title. Yes, right, right. There. Uh, and then we also have the developer in residence, which is Lucas Schlenka. So anyway, they they planned out, or he went down and wrote out what it actually looks like to release Python. And boy, oh boy, this is more than just um, some build CI at GitHub to make sure that the wheels or the binaries get built. So here's the process. <laughs> See how close I can get this right. And also, um, Seth is going to be on Talk Python on Thursday in terms of live stream, and then a little bit later to talk about, we'll talk about this and a, a bunch of other security things. Anyway, so start out, freeze the release branch, and then the CPython upstream repo um, goes along and the release manager forks the repo, takes that, feeds it into the release tool manually. All these things have, um, there's a bunch of colors in this diagram. So each uh, each color, there's a legend like uh, the hand ones are human tasks, the blue ones are release artifacts. Interesting from a security perspective, um, there's a source of risk is red and so on. 
All right, so the release tool goes along and git commit git tags things to uh, set the tag to version you know 3.12.0. Also, it creates the source ball, the tarballs from that. And where do we go now? We go over here to Azure Pipelines for the Windows people. The Azure Pipeline, there's a Windows release manager. The Azure Pipeline over there builds out the Windows embeddable packages, the Windows installers, updates NuGet, Windows Store, maybe even WinGet. I don't know about that. Um, there's also an equivalent for the Mac OS release manager who does the Mac build and Mac installer. And all of these things come back into testing artifacts and creates the, they all get a GPG signature. And then we get everything signed and ready to go. That gets dropped on python.org. Pretty cool, huh? That is, wow. Yeah. It's a lot. Last year they live streamed this and all the people involved were on Zoom, I think it was. I'm not sure. It was live streamed to YouTube though. And you could actually see step by step. So, but I don't know how well people really knew what was happening. So you can be like, all right, we're on step five, everyone. Let's go, let's go. So I think, you know, if you're going to watch that live stream, if it exists, I'm not sure it does. Um, people in the audience, if they know it's going to be live streamed, uh, shoot out a message. Um, yeah. Okay, so, so it's too early to, I don't want to slow down the, the release this year, but maybe next year we could have this graph, but like animated with like little little things, what's going on. Yeah, have like little, little, um, video cutouts of people in the different sections and they're talking yeah it'd be fun yeah. why not why not no this is cool and then there's more about uh there's like a more of a description below that seth put together as well as the sources of supply chain risk and examples of that happening outside of python primarily um so pretty cool uh thanks for the the visualization seth this is great yeah this is cool nice yep over to you uh, no, well, wait, that's it. for will read for extras. We are in extras. Do you want to do your extras first? or? Yeah, sure. They're easy. I'm going to be at Pi Bay over in San Francisco, October 8th. So all I want to say is, if you're around, come say hi. Right, That's like primarily the reason that I go to conferences. I don't go to that many talks or that many other things, but these kind of like get to know people in open spaces and so on. So this is all one giant open space, this uh, Pi Bay thing. Yeah, I went last uh, year. It was I'll, fun. Maybe we should just bounce yeah. back and forth and do every other. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the HTMX plus Django course is going really well. People are loving it. So if you want to do HTMX with your Django code, it will make it so much better. Like you don't have to do front end frameworks unless you really, really want to. Um, so HTMX is op awesome. This cool. is how you use it with Django. Each framework has its kind of own thing. The reason I bring this up is we are closing in at the end of the early bird discount. So if you think you're going to get it anyway, you've got until September 29th until uh, the price goes up. A few more days. So check that out. Yeah, that's it for my extras. Nice. Um, I'll try to go through mine a little quickly. Anyway, um, uh, of course, the complete PyTest course, um, I up did just updated uh part three is started it's um not part three part two i've started with chapter seven uh testing strategy so that's going along strong um i wanted to uh mention some podcast names uh so of course you're here with python bytes that's us and my other one a couple others python people um is uh i've got a lot of great interviews coming up um and then Testing code is now Python test. So you get the just here. We got Python bytes, Python people, and Python test. And then now talk Python to me is the odd man out. So we have to get Michael. Oh. You got to change your name to Python talk. Maybe. Python talk? Yeah. Python uh, talk. 
Anyway, I could do that. I could change it. I can change whatever I want. No, it's it's working great. Don't change it. If it's not broken, <laughs> no, don't fix it's going, it. No, so. no, it's going pretty good. Uh, Speaking of broken, let's talk about the final thing. A joke here. Okay. Maybe this has happened to you. Here's a a woman developer trying to sleep, but her mind is running, and she's like, "Okay, mind, stop. I need to sleep. Leave me alone." There's like a little conversation. Brain, woman in bed, right? Says. Hey, are you sleeping? Yes, now shut up, she says to her brain. The brain says, I know how to fix the bug on line 255. Boom, eyes wide open, no more sleep. <laughs> I can't sleep. Uh, we've probably yeah. all been there, right? You're just like somewhere else. You're like, I know what it is. I know what it is. Yeah, so this one- I of forgot the, the database index, no. It's one of the downsides, but also one of the upsides of working, being having a setup for working from home so that you can just uh, run in and actually fix it and then go back to sleep. Right. Or you can sleep at your desk, and then when this happens, you just wake back up and keep <laughs> typing. <laughs> okay, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, I mean, I have a standing desk. Why not a like a sleeping desk? Oh, why? Yeah, why? You know, it goes, they go from sitting to standing. It could just go one more level, one more and you're level. like a lazy boy just drops you into like sleeping position. Yeah, with a lazy boy. That'd be White awesome. noise kicks in as it gets below a certain height. Yeah, monitor goes up to the ceiling. Exactly. Uh, yeah, be good. Anyway. All right. Um, well, awesome podcast again, Michael. I think. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you as always. And thanks everyone for listening and some of you for attending.